Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Uh, normally, you like make me pick an article, but since Cody's not here, do you you want to pick it? Which way do you want this conversation? Oh, no, we'll, we'll get into picking articles here. Look at you, shit, out of the gate. Like, hey, I want to look at my articles. I want to start an article. Come on, Todd Craig. All right, well, I just thought that's that's what I'm here for. I got a job to do, right? That's right. Todd Craig is here with us on the Roundup podcast. Uh, we have no Cody. Cody is a no-show at, at this stage. Did you expect, what did you expect, Cody, to be on time? Well, I was hoping. How about that? You can always hope, but. You know, him delivering. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you in the camp of um, five minutes? I think you are because based on when I logged in five minutes early, you were already logged in. Is five minutes early on time in your Yes, book? yes. I'm one of those old school guys. We may have to uh, teach Cody a little bit about uh, lack of um, punctual, you know, being punctual. Well, he used to be in the military, so he should know this. Yeah, I think he's flopped completely the other way, man. He's, he's, you know, sleeps in, doesn't make his bed anymore. Oh, I'm um, sure. All sorts of things. Todd Craig, let me ask this. Have you ever been on a podcast? No, sir. 
Yes, <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, for the audience, I'm going to read the message that you sent me, okay, which you that, that you are that you're you're claiming. I never asked to be on the roundup. Well, you did. Okay, I, did. I would love to be on the roundup, but a blue collar, poor white trash, only have lived and hunted in South Dakota, fella, who's is not who you need on the podcast. That's exactly who we need on the podcast. And oh, look it, look at that. Hey, it's Cody. Welcome, Cody. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for being on time for our podcast. I'm here. It makes me feel important. No, we were discussing the idea that, um, you know, five minutes before a meeting is starting is typically like on time, you know? Right. And my computer will not let me log. I have to get a different computer because it logs me into Squadcast as you every time. So. I went and got a different computer to do this on. Oh, man. And then manually typed it in off my phone, typed in the Squadcast dynamic URL off my phone. Mm. I'm so sorry. No, all good. How's it going? Good. Well, we started without you. I know. We just wanted to, uh, we wanted to you know, give you a little bit of, of, of crap before you came on. No worries. I will have a better plan from here on out because Squadcast will not let us operate as two different people on the same login. That's for sure. Well, uh, we're just getting into it. Todd is from South Dakota, reached out. Uh, as, as we have typically said to people, if you're listening to the Roundup, you want to be a guest, feel free to reach out to us and uh, we may stick you on the podcast just like we're doing Todd, Todd Craig right now. Yes, thank you. Todd Craig, where are you from? Rapid City, South Dakota. Best thing to hunt. The good side of South Dakota, as you said, Cody. Yes, the good side of South Dakota, yes. Did you know there was a good side of South Dakota? Nope. <laughs> I didn't know there was a South Dakota. <laughs> I felt like I, I got set up right now. I think all of South Dakota is good. I didn't know that there was a better side. Okay. Mm. You are Good response. Man. Good response. Good political response. I like it up there. Everything that people, everything that someone wouldn't like about South Dakota is exactly what I'm looking for in a place. I don't want any people. I don't need any, I don't need all those things. So I, I like South Dakota. Great hunting in South Dakota. Yeah. Yep. Best I thing agree. to hunt in South Dakota, Todd Craig? Uh, best thing, it, it we're renowned for our pheasant hunting, I'd have to say. You know, pheasant hunting is, is a big thing. I'm not a pheasant hunter, but that is one of our uh, main draws. That, that opens up soon here. What kind of hunter are you if you're not a pheasant hunter? I basically am a deer hunter. So uh, See a bunch of whitetails behind you? Yeah, I actually, yes, there are. Look at that. I got some whitetails and muleys. Um, so privileged to live in an area where there's whitetail and mule deer. So that's uh, pretty fortunate. And then there's elk hunting very rarely in South Dakota. It takes about... Uh, 10 years worth of uh, preference points or more to draw. And then if you do draw, then you have to wait probably another 20 years before you can draw again. So limited on that. Good public land access for mule deer and whitetail around you? Oh, yes. Yep. Either walk-in areas or BLM land or the uh, Black Hills National Forest. So we got a lot of options. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And Cody, he invited us up to... Um... South Dakota Total Archery Challenge next year. Yeah, I saw that. I'm uh, uh, I'm a guy that fully admits when he's wrong about things. 
And for a couple of years, I saw the, from a distance, I saw like total archery challenges. And I thought, I've got targets in my backyard. I've got 3D targets in my, around my house. Why do I need to spend money to go do that? And then kind of as a representative of Blood Origins unofficially, I went to Glenwood Springs to uh, the resort up there. Holy crap, those things are fun. Yeah. They're super fun. I was totally wrong. They're affordable as hell, good people. Um, and they were a blast. I don't like, I just, for several years, I was like, why do I need to travel over here and shoot targets when I have targets? And I was wrong. I missed out on a lot of good years of total archery challenge. So I mean, what's the terrain on your, on your total archery challenge, Todd? Like, how do they, like the, the ones that I've been to have always been, uh, ski resorts. Yes. Ours is at uh, Cherry Peak Ski Resort. So obviously the mountains there in South Dakota are a little bit uh, milder than they would be, let's say, over in uh, Utah or Big Sky or something like that. But yeah, we still have hills out here and they're still rugged. Lots of lots of rocks to climb over. I did not know there was a ski resort in South Dakota. I didn't, I didn't know that. See, that's why I'm on here. I'm, I'm educating you guys. Yeah, huh? dropping truth bombs. You also, you also did not mention waterfowl hunting, which there is some. I, I, I sometimes hesitate to mention things on a recorded format where other people might hear it, but phenomenal duck and goose hunting in South Dakota if you time it right. Well, yes, uh, you go ahead and mention that. But see, I'm trying to keep everything a secret here because right. we got so many people flocking here. I don't want any more. Well, it's a good thing we only have three or four people listen to this. Right. Right. You being one of them, so we're good to go. Awesome. Well, Cody, you would jump into the admin. Um, anything else you want to mention on excuses for why you were late? I do not have any. I do have an excuse that I don't have my – because I'm not logged into the right computer. I don't have my uh, – okay, now I'm officially caught up. You want me to jump into admin? I can do it. I just, oh, I you got know, it. you're just you know, it. to be all over the show, you know, late and all that kind of stuff. I, I know. I was a little discombobulated, but I'm back. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, the first admin point that we're going to hit is we're trying to, uh, again, quickly, we said this uh, last week on the roundup that, to be honest, it was really cool several weeks ago when we said, hey, what if we had some listeners that wanted to come on the show. And then Robbie and I, like, I don't know if everyone knows it, but we can all see each other on screens here and we're looking at each other and we're kind of shrugging, like, you think anybody will, or I don't know. Um, and then, and then a whole bunch of people did and it was cool. So it inspired us to kind of up the ante with, uh, listener interactions. We would love to, um, we would love to hear from you guys. And sometimes a podcast is not always the greatest format. There's to leave a comment or do those kind of things. So we have added um, the ability to send an email to info at bloodorigins.com, or you can send a text to 620-860-4804, and uh, we'll get that text. And uh, How do we set that up in our link tree, Cody? Got to be a way to do that. Um, yeah, I know. I've got that as a to-do. I don't know. I think what you can – I don't think you can. I assume we didn't get a text message. Are you saying we have – are you asking me if we've gotten one yet? Yes. No, we, ha we, haven't, we haven't gotten one yet, but also remember we're not even 48 – or we're only 
48 hours in, right? To no, we announced it last week. So we've had a full week of people listening to the roundup and we got zero text messages. Right. But yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't wah, know. Wah, wah. Are you trying to get me to not let the cat out of the bag? That like it's only been two days. It hasn't been a full week. It's only been two days since the last roundup was released. Oh, that is true. Well, yeah. Done. Yes. Yes. You are. You are correct. I'm, I yeah. apologize. That's Your all right. I know correct. I didn't go to college, but I can count days and weeks and stuff like that. <laughs> I've, I've picked it up. But no. So anyway, did I read the number off? Six two zero eight six zero forty eight zero four. Send us a text can be relevant to this episode it can be about other things hunting related or at this point we're be- we're begging for interactions send us anything literally that you want to and we might talk about it next time on the roundup yeah let's see what you get yeah i think it's going to your phone not my phone right right yeah exactly Supporters program. We have a massive supporters program in October. Um, I'm going to talk about two items that are on deck in October. Todd Craig, let me ask you, are you a supporter of Blood Origins? I will be after this podcast. Okay, because this is what you're going to be in line to win. I'll just talk about two of them. Okay. The first one is a, it's a a trad bow that is being built by a guy called Henry Javier or Xavier with Kashtuk Primal. It's a single piece of hickory. He's going to put buffalo horn tip overlays on the edges of the bow, and he's going to put rattlesnake skin as the backing to the limbs. And he's going to also give you three uh, custom homemade arrows to go with it. Probably 1500 bucks. I have no idea how much that a bow like that costs. I would say priceless. Spell the name of the... Of the uh, we've been saying it back and forth. Spell the name of the bow company again. Kashtuk. K-A-S-H. T-U-K. Right, 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 right. Primal. And Henry is the guy. And he makes phenomenal bows. Yeah, yeah. It, it, at a minimum, folks, go go, go check out Koshtuk Primals, right? Um, if you the don't other thing become, he does is muzzle loaders. He makes yeah. like muzzle loaders and stuff like that. Old school hammer muzzle loaders and that kind of stuff. Like literally one of those people in life that I get jealous It's Koshtuk Bowcraft. Koshtuk Bowcraft dot com. Um, and I, I, I get jealous of the things that they when when people can make. I don't understand how people can just sit down and make stuff like this. I can't make anything really. Todd, you a bow hunter? Yes, actually, that is my primary uh, hobby. I will say is uh, shooting my bow. Uh, my wife also shoots. She does not hunt, but I tell you, a girl can shoot. So uh, amazing! Out. Amazing. So that's that is prize number one. There's there's I think ten prizes or twelve prizes. I'd have to look it up. Either ten or twelve. Uh, that's one of the big ones. The other big one is a chamois hunt in Spain. A Pyrenean chamois hunt. Uh, three days, two days hunting. One day in Barcelona. Uh, all taken care of. Um, trophy fee on the chamois. The only thing is there is a VAT fee when you when you hunt in Spain to the value of the hunt itself. So you're going to be out of pocket um, some money, but not nearly how much the hunt actually costs itself. So I know Cody is kicking himself for being a part of Blood Origins because he is out 
uh, from being uh, eligible for any of these hunts because he desperately wants to hunt in Spain. Sorry, Cody. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of a crap deal. Maybe like, someday why? you'll make enough money that you can afford to go there. Oh, I'm going. It's not about being able. Not in, not 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 through blood. Not through blood. Origins. Yeah, no, not working for blood origins. No, we'll just. Uh, I'll just. I'll. I'll figure that out. I'm definitely gonna. I'll hunt Spain in the next three years. That's the plan. I, it was a hundred percent next year. Did I tell you that my wife switched? Like, my wife said, "I want to go to Spain." That's where her. No, you were going to Spain next year. I know, and then. Something changed, and she just called me. She sent me a text one time and said, I changed my mind. I want to go to South Africa. Call Carl. Oh, that's right. I called Carl. Locked it down. (laughs) It's too late now. (laughs) We're going. Next text message is, I want to go via Spain to South Africa. There you go. Be gone a month. Anyway. Be gone, yeah, a long time. Todd, Uh, Todd, have you hunted anywhere outside of South Dakota? Nope. Pretty pretty boring here, but, uh, you know, uh, boring. in the future, oh. as I get uh, older, I'd like to uh, to venture off a, a little bit here before I get too old. Oh, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Rapid City? Uh, basically, I was born in Deadwood, South Dakota, and then uh, lived in Newell a very short time, and then Rapid City here uh, within a five-mile radius for most of my life. Deadwood, South Dakota. Is that the, the Deadwood show, Deadwood? Yeah. Yep. What? Actually, born right there. Study right. the history of. Yes, it's the Deadwood show. Deadwood. <laughs> Dude, it could be Deadwood, North Dakota, or Deadwood, Colorado. I have no idea. Except it couldn't be. It's probably next to Dodge City, the most famous town in the in the in the Western history of the United States. Dodge City, Kansas, uh, I, Boot Hill. There's a guy named. Oh, I, it's actually in Kansas. I it, thought you were you were joking. I thought maybe it was in South Dakota, next to Deadwood. <laughs> no, Wyatt Earp. You heard of Wyatt Earp? I have heard of him. I couldn't pick him out in the lineup. Well, none of us have seen him. He's been dead a while, but he was famous. He became famous in Dodge City. Could you pick him out in the lineup? Yes. If they, okay, then okay. Wild Bill Hickok. You ever heard of him? No. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Todd. You really need to come to South Dakota to the Tormology Challenge because you will learn a little bit about Deadwood history. Have you and ever I'll heard the, have you ever heard the phrase a dead man's hand? Aces and eights is a dead man's hand. In Negative. poker. In poker. Negative. Do you get out of your house? <laughs> Go on. Uh, Very Wild rough. Bill Hickok was one of the best gunfighters in the history of anything and was shot in the back of the head in uh, Deadwood, South Wow, very nice. Uh, I tell you, Cody, you're on top of this history. I mean, I don't even have to tell the history. You're doing it for me. This is great. I love oh. it. Look, he had to make up for coming in late. If you're not offended by some vulgarity, okay? The TV show Deadwood is insanely good television. I do want everyone to know that it's probably the level above rated R. Like it's vulgar. But I think it's realistic to the times. I don't think I don't think Deadwood, South Dakota in that time frame in the 1860s to 1880s was, you know. I don't think it was real prim and proper place at the time. So anyway, 
Not at all. Well, hey, who knew I was going to get an education on the Blood Origins Roundup? You have no idea. I could I could take hours just on Wild Bill Hickok and Deadwood if you want to. Well, we don't have hours, thankfully. Uh, we'll save it for another day. And uh, we'll do a, a podcast in person walking down the streets of Deadwood, and you can tell me all about it. Okay? Oh, I am so in. I'll be there in the morning if you want to do that. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's rock and roll, man. That's enough admin. That's enough chitty chatty. Uh, Todd Craig, as you pointed out right in the beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. you are correct. We do hand over the first article of the Roundup Week to our guest that comes on. So the floor is yours, my friend. Well, I just cannot uh, escape the very first article that you sent me, which is the S show that the <laughs> happened over in Wyoming. Wow. I, I Holy think... no. I would even go beyond that. It is not an SO. It is a shit show. Okay. You'll, you'll say the S word shit show. Yeah, it was a yeah. shit show. Cody typically swears a lot on this podcast, so I try not to. Okay. So, not but... true. <laughs> that, so but... Reading that article, uh, boy, that was it was just hard to read because it was uh, quite uh, informative that uh, I was – Shocked by the age of the hunters, anyway. Just they were an older group, and sounds like they just got a little too excited and and didn't figure out how to cross a river. Yeah. So the article uh, is in the uh, it's by the Associated Press. It was in USA News. The, the The title of the article is "What Hunters Report Nightmare After Elk Take on Wyoming Island." Essentially, these guys went in uh, in Jackson Hole. In a very, very public place, they somehow drew tags there and were walking down a public trail that is very much utilized by the public. Walkers, people were walking their dogs, hikers, kayakers, whitewater rafters, and uh, they happened to be early morning out there and saw a bunch of elk on an island and waylaid them. Everything legal, everything completely legal. But once they dropped them, they couldn't get to them. And uh, at that point, everyone started showing up because the day had started. And everyone was like, what the hell's going on here? And there's elk everywhere. And these guys can't get across the river. So, um, Cody, good. Does, let me ask this question. Is it, did this situation help or hurt hunting? Okay. I put this one on here very specifically. This article right here hurts hunting, right? It does. But I would like to sit down with any of the flabbergasted people that I've seen on social media. Not not over the top. I'm not saying it's crazy. But there was a long series of things that I'm not sure any of them were individual instances that hurt hunting Mm. that made this a shit show. They just all happened, right? You don't think that the hunters should have thought a little bit more of in terms of how are we going to get to these animals when we shoot them before they took the shot? 100%. I also think they probably should have done their research on how close – to an area where massive amounts of the public recreate do we want to be 
Mm-hmm. I also think, um, again, they did nothing. That it's important that they to note that they did nothing illegal. Correct. Right. Um, then you compound the fact that they got uh, three cows and a and a, and a calf. Mm-hmm. Right. All completely legal with what they were doing, but that perception thing, right? If everything else had happened and it had been a big six by six, it would have been less of a shit show. It, it would have been less. It would have been not perceived the way it's being rece- perceived. And there's not a single article or a comment that doesn't talk about the fact that the, one of them was labeled a calf. Mm. Okay. I see that perception. Um, and again, you know, you, I, I, I don't, this is not one where I wanted, you know, last week I jumped all over the Pennsylvania guys um, that killed, not all of Pennsylvania, the hunters in Colorado that killed the bow hunter. Um, I got no patience for that. Nothing. I got nothing good or excusatory to say about that. I, without knowing these guys, I think, man, everything that could have gone wrong for you, even though you didn't break the law or really do anything wrong, went wrong for you. Mm-hmm. Your location, the fact that you couldn't get across the river like you thought you could, the fact that a bunch of people poured out right after you laid these four elk down, the fact that one of those cows was a calf and the rest of them were, one of those elk was a calf and the rest of them were cows, right? Just all of these things made it a horrible situation. Todd Craig, what do you think? Well, I uh, agree with there with Cody, but one thing I didn't like is they quote one of the, uh, another hunter in there, I think his name was Brad anyway, and how he, he jumped on the hunters about how it wasn't fair chase. It wasn't ethical. And being a fellow hunter, I think he should have just said, holy cow, how do I help? How do I help rectify this situation so we don't look so bad so it's not on national news that was my thought yeah so that that whole point this guy's name jackson hole resident brad nielsen who's a hunter himself that's what he claims uh, it's an ethical question that's not fair chase cornering them on an island and mowing them down is what he was quoted as saying mm, i don't think a hunter will speak like that knowing full well that they didn't corner the elk at all. The elk were just there. Yeah. Uh, they just happened. They weren't stuck. You no, know, that's the other perception that is made by this whole island com- commotion in the article itself, that these, these elk were trapped. And these hunters happened to just waylay them as they were trapped on the island, which is untrue. Um, the last, though, he says, I told them they'd set back years of effort to create goodwill between the non-hunting community and hunters. Now, some of that is true because of, as Cody mentioned, the unfortunate set of circumstances that happened post the animals being on the ground, on the island, for everyone to see kind of thing. Um, the, uh, you know, the idea of them trying to get across, them trying, you know, flipping the boat, they couldn't get there. Um, yeah. Almost, you know, you hate to say it, you hate to call it a comedy of errors, um, but a certain, certainly a, a, a series of errors that were unfortunate. Agreed. Cody, anything else? No, I couldn't agree. Uh, kudos to Todd for bringing that up. I mean, 
I, I, I just said that I thought they, you know, that they made some mistakes um, in judgment potentially on what was the best choice, right? You can make a mistake in judgment that doesn't mean that you were unethical or illegal. You just didn't make the best choice for the situation maybe. Um, and then, you know, the game warden saying that he gave him a chewing for the eyesore that they created, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, I completely agree with the Todd, Todd Nielsen character of – I see nothing fair chase unethical about this, right? Like, I see some leg- – yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm agreeing with Todd about Brad. Um, that, that there's, yeah, it's there, there's nothing fair chase. There's not a river in the world that's going to keep an elk trapped on an island if it's once off the island, right? They can swim. It's a thing. So it's a, and then there's, you know, there's the mention of a lady known as the poop fairy in the article as well. No. So, <laughs> I just really I put I put it on there originally and it ended up at the bottom and I legitimately moved that to the top before I sent the uh, article list to Todd because I was like if Todd doesn't get through all of them the poop fairy article is the one that he needs to read. That's crazy! It's crazy. Um, why don't you take the next one, uh, Cody? Well, I'm gonna be honest. I was prepared and then Todd took my. Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about the next one. Some of the things we talked about a little bit last week, obviously this idea, it's been a couple of articles last week and a couple of articles this week. Um, and I talked about it on a podcast last night that I don't know when it's going to drop, but you know, conservation, there's been a lot of talk in the news about conservation. And conservation is being sort of monikered right now with sort of wealthy, rich individuals. Jeff Bezos, we have this uh, Robin Melanie Walton Foundation committing $100 million to wildlife conservation in Africa. And let me ask this question, maybe to, to pose it to you, Todd. I know you haven't really thought about this, so I'm putting you on the spot. And, and Cody, you can think about it as well. But is conservation a luxury? Is conservation a luxury? And, when I, I, and the reason I say that is when you, when you look at the United States of America, Conservation is our national parks, our wilderness areas, these lands that are set aside for all American citizens and really the citizens of the world to enjoy because anybody can go on them. But is the same system, the national park system, the thing that we cherish so much here in the United States, is the same thing viewed, is it, is it viewed the same way by the rural villager in India? that has a national park down the way that saves tigers and leopards or the rural villager in Zambia that has a game reserve. And he's like, well, what's the point of that game reserve for me? So is conservation a luxury? I think it's a necessity that we as humans need, but the third world countries like you're talking about there, it is not They're They just want to survive. You know, they don't care about um, saving those animals if such as the other articles, you know, about the illegal trade. They don't they just want to Hey, if I can grab this and make money from it. I think that's how they have to survive. So in some ways, yes, it is a, a, a luxury, you know, a elite type thing, mm-hmm. you know, compared to a third world country. Sure, sure. 
Uh, I guess that's what I'd say. You said, Todd, you, uh, I mean, we really appreciate you coming, but I think I'm going to try to call you out here. You said it's a necessity for us. For us, it's a necessity. Tell me, tell me more about that. Uh, meaning as a, a, a planet, as a uh, species as a whole, as uh, all of us humans, we need places to get away from each other. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the lockdown really helped that with uh, people. That's how come our national parks were flooded with people and so on and so forth. People are trying to get out and about and get away from people So, and enjoy the outdoors where a villager is trying to make more of a living from it. Uh, they're outdoors, you know, whether it be uh, growing rice in a rice field or something like that, or being out on the plains, they're trying to survive out there in the wilderness. So that is their whole life. So they don't really care if uh, we have certain areas preserved for saving animals or something like that. Does that make any sense? No, a hundred percent. Um like my mind's racing on this one. So just like wave your hand, Robbie, when I've talked too long. But the <laughs> no, I mean, you're gonna have to give me a second. You can't just wave it right now. I don't like the word luxury in this connotation, um, specifically as it applies to the United States, because I think you throw the word luxury in, it means some people are going to take it as only the rich can enjoy it, only the extremely wealthy can enjoy it. Okay, let me let me stop you there. I'm, I couch that as America, as a country, being a wealthy country, not people. So when I say conservation is a luxury, I'm saying I'm, I'm couching it not from an individual level. In America, I'm talking at it from a country perspective and the people that are in that country. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'm a, I'm a, like brace yourselves okay i've got some really good shit coming right here i think that prioritizing conservation i think that being able to prioritize conservation at the same level or higher than feeding your poor is a luxury 100% and and, and what i mean by that is in the United States, let's take Colorado because I can talk numbers ish. Don't 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 text me about my numbers being wrong, but they're close. In Colorado, there's two hundred twenty thousand elk, I believe, is the number. Two hundred twenty thousand elk, right? What do you get? Three hundred pounds of meat off of a big bull, probably. Two fifty, three hundred. Do that math out, whatever. We went out and said, nope. We're going to go spend money and develop programs to get meat for those in the state of Colorado that need our help. And we're not going to just waylay that herd of elk willy-nilly to get the meat, right? And that is a luxury. Mm -hmm. That is a quote-unquote first world problem, right? Third world, a third world problem is what, 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 whatever, let's stay in Colorado, but let's move Colorado, put it right next to Zimbabwe. It's a new country in Africa in a third world situation. 
There's no programs. There's no food stamps. There's no vision card. There's no, there's no, you know, food banks. There, there's food banks all over, right? And I mean, in the U.S., I don't mean to sound harsh, but if you're mentally and physically capable and you actually starve to death, like die from not eating in the United States, it's probably your fault if you're not being held captive, right? Because there's so many opportunities. And that's not the case in other places, right? If you took Colorado and set it in the Colorado without the people, without the money, and set it in the middle of Africa, but told locals, hey, we're only we're going to do a tag and application process for who gets to shoot those elk and we want to manage and grow the herd and that's more important than you eating and oh by the way we have no other way to help you eat that's just a rule that we made about those elk that's where people don't understand right mm -hmm. that's why spoiled ass americans don't understand what trophy hunting does over there compared to what it does over here and as well as ecotourism, we always ecotourism people seem to hate trophy hunters. Trophy hunters love ecotourism people because they're helping with conservation and anti poaching. That's what went through my head when you asked the question. Pretty heavy stuff, Cody. I told you I to brace yourself. About knocked Todd right out of his chair. Yeah, uh, that's way deeper than mine. Maybe that's why you're part of Blood Origins and I'm just. <laughs> no. no, I just bugged Robbie for. To let me be a part. I, I think you're spot on with what I, I think we said the same thing. It just popped into my head in a way um, that I think, I mean, literally, we live in the greatest country in the world to be a hunter. And I, as long as you don't preface it with wealthy hunter. Right. There may be if, if you got a whole bunch of money, there might be countries that, I, that you could argue with me about we're better. But and I, I always like to lump Canada in. I think that, I don't have anything against what Canada is doing. But we also live in the greatest country in the world. To be a game animal. Right. To be a game animal species, to clarify. Um, and that's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. But. And 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 it's absolutely a luxury. I still have a list of 500 things I wish we were doing differently. But we live in the greatest country in the world to be a hunter. And we live in the greatest country in the world to be a game animal species. Um, and that's a pretty rare deal. And it's definitely a luxury. Wow. Never thought of a game animal, animal species to live in uh, North America is a, is a privilege. And it actually it makes sense, though, it is because... Uh, you know, as a prey animal, there's no good way to die, you know, and mm -hmm. um, to be hunted is probably the most ethical way that could happen mm -hmm. or not ethical, but easiest way rather than starving to death and or getting attacked by coyotes or whatever else, you know. Right. Well, right. we were also, Robbie could absolutely correct me on this. I believe we were the first country, the first modern, the first actual country. Right. I don't mean native peoples, indigenous peoples, but we were the first country to start worrying about rebuilding game. Rebuilding animal. populations, right. Re rebuilding game animal populations. You know, John Bear, the auctioneer, one of, he's, one of the greatest things ever said on a Blood Origins episode was 
we have animals because we hunt. I'm paraphrasing. I'm screwing. We have up. wildlife because we hunt. We wildlife. have wildlife because we hunt, and that's it's very very true. I mean, it's 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 a hundred percent true. Um, and that's what I'm another part of what I meant by, you know, I mean, if if you're the white-tailed deer species as a whole, you're pretty stoked that you're in the U.S. as opposed to you know, wherever, Zimbabwe right now, Mozambique right now. And I don't, and, and we can name off African countries that don't hunt as well because they're not going to be managed. Um, and they're and the locals are going to utilize them in a way that's detrimental to the species because that's not their priority. Their priority is feeding themselves and their kids. It's interesting that you, you know, one of the points that you made is about, you know, human you know, consumption of meat. And there's a couple of articles that we have this week that are tied to that, right? The one is from Monga Bay, domestic bush meat consumption, an urgent threat to migratory mammals, uh, article that talks about a recent UN report that found that many migratory mammals, migratory mammals being like a bat or, you know, any type of large hoofed animals that moves great distances are in grave danger for being hunted for meat for domestic consumption. Um, and that's just because they are an indispensable source of nutrition, as well as the next step on from that is once you can feed yourself, the next thing you're going to think about is how do I use that resource to make money and an indispensable income. And you can't blame them because that's what we were built on back in the day. And we're now a first world country and we don't rely on that uh, very much anymore. And I say very much, very purposefully. Um, and that, you know, they talk about the fruit bats specifically uh, in Zambia, coming in from the Democratic Republic of Congo and hundreds of thousands of fruit bats being hunted for meat. Um, there's another, uh, you know, they've got, odd, they've got, you know, civets in Indonesia. They've got uh, bushmeat pigs and peggery, uh, peggeries, <laughs> peggeries, peccaries, peccaries, peccaries in Brazil. We'll help you too, um, Dr. Kroger. Naturally, they talk about COVID. Um, but you know, it, it ties to the whole conservation being a luxury in certain places. If you cannot handle or take care of basic human needs, but there is always exceptions to the rule and Australia tends to be leading the pack. Uh, in which you have a bunch of illegal wildlife trafficking. And that was one of the, the articles that we had was illegal wildlife trafficking concerns rise during COVID-19 pandemic with more people at home and online, specifically out of Australia. That blew my mind. Yeah, I'd have to say definitely uh, that one there is the rise. I think they said something like 59%. Is that a good thing or a bad thing that they're catching more because people are online and, and see it and reporting it because they have nothing better to do or are people bored at home and saying, I want an exotic pet. Or people are sitting at home and never realize that, oh, geez, we've got black cockatoos that come to the bird feeder every single day. And some, you know, some guy sitting on the internet and Google something, he goes, oh, mate, you know that that cockatoo is worth $50,000? Let's go grab one. Wow, you got a fairly solid Aussie accent. There. Oh, look, look here. My mother's Australian, 
and uh, it's the dark side of my family. We don't like to talk about those Australians down there, but um, I, I can I can talk Australian with the best of them. Don't tell Craig right. Merton that. Right, you can't talk Australian with Craig Merton. He rules it. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I don't know, Todd, if it's that scenario that I just painted, or people are seeing more things happening in their neighborhoods. It's probably a combination of all of it. But again, you think a first world country like Australia would not be headline news, but uh, you know the, the blue-tongued lizard, uh, shingleback lizard, um, black-headed cockatoos, uh, the parakeets. There's a phenomenal wildlife base in Australia that probably has a significant amount of value in um, on the market, essentially, you know, for the illegal wildlife traders. Well, certainly. There's money, they're going to take it, you know. Uh, it's hard to uh, turn that away, I guess. But uh, you'd hope people would have more uh, common sense in a uh, first world country anyway, but no. <laughs> you know what they call rednecks in Australia? Uh, no. Cody, do you know? I do not. I know they have Yobos. Yobos. That's what my dad used to say. My dad used to peek out the window when he was an old curmudgeon sitting there on his computer and he, there would be guys racing motorbikes, dirt bikes up and down his street. And he was like, ah, oh, those yobos again. <laughs> I can even hear him talking about it today. Um, I think there's one more article that I'd like to cover. Um, and it's really outside of the, the normal realm of articles that we tend to we talk about. Uh, we do know that India is this just nightmare for human-wildlife conflict. And uh, we found an article published on September the 27th, and the headline was, India is hiding a nightmare snake bite massacre. And when I read the number of how many people, based on verbal autopsies, are killed in India, Every year through snakebite, I absolutely, my jaw hit the floor. Yeah, no. And let's, let's, be, let's be fair and balanced. Because one side, there's two reports coming out of India as to how many people die each year from snake bites in India. Okay? Mm -hmm. One person, not one person, the government, Health saying, and Family Welfare Minister is saying 689, which that's still like, I mean, what, probably like 670 more than die in the United States, right? And, and yeah, I'm not, but you got to remember they've got a, a population of probably 10 times ours. Well, and also, also way more badass snakes than we got. I'm just saying that's. Oh, yeah, way, way more badass snakes. 689 is, is a big number to me. I'm like, holy crap. That's mm, almost nine to me was like, oh, okay. But the other study says 58,000. <laughs> right? Somebody's off. Somebody's off on the actual number here. Somebody's way the hell off. And I don't know, uh, you know, 58,000. Is a bunch. That's a that's a whole 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 lot. 
I mean, you know, you're talking real close to 200 a day. No, 175 a day are dying. It's crazy. Um, so what do you, what do you, like it's I crazy. Think it, what do you do? I don't know. They definitely have a massive human wildlife conflict. Some of that's based in how much of their non-hunting, how much of their void of hunting is religious, spiritual versus legal? No, it's all it's all legal. Well, okay, but how much based of that? Based on back in the 80s, I think 80s or 90s, it was all legal. I don't think, I think it's a consumption thing is tied to the, the religion side of things. Right. What do you think, Todd, of the 58,000? Wow, big number. Uh, I That sounds a little far-fetched anyway, but, uh, you know, what a uh, what a place, you know. And the without having hunting, you know, I don't see hunting helping with the snake bites. So No, exactly. That, so uh, that isn't going to help there, but the uh, they definitely could use uh, – I, I guess I could say I'm – Blame it a little bit just on their their beliefs over there of uh, their consumption. You know, what if they cut down on the amount of livestock they had, which would help? Well, they with- can't. They're not allowed to kill livestock. Yes, exactly. It so, just goes. It just goes feral in the in the in the bush. They could solve some. The, they could solve some of their economic problems if they opened it up. Because I mean, you would get people to go over there and hunt with the things that they have, the adventures that could be had there. That's for sure. Jeez, 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 jeez. Yeah, if you put more hunters out there, maybe they'll get bit by the snakes, and then they can get a more accurate number. Well, I think it's just the fact that you've got so many people um, with such a diverse, you know, ecosystems, agriculture, right up against rural communities. You know, in the article, it says the one guy's a wildlife conservationist and public educator. He's rescued more than 6,000 snakes in three years. Eight to 10 calls a day, sometimes up to 20 calls a day. Now, rescuing snakes or is he dispatching of those snakes? I think he's moving them. As they said, he's, there's like 300 species of snakes in India. Holy cow. Now, they say there's only four dangerous ones, the cobra, the crate, Russell's viper, saw-scaled viper. They forgot about the king cobra. That's probably one of the biggest snakes in India. Um, so I bet you there's a bunch of venomous snakes up there. I have, I, have, I have not looked, but 300 species of snakes, that's a good diversity of snakes. Here, but hold on, let me go back to my other question real quick. When I was asking about spiritual versus legal, what, what I was saying was on the spiritual side of it, it keeps them from even having like the ability for depredation stuff, right? Like they can't yeah, yeah, yeah. they can't kill the cow. Right? They can't kill That's the a religious cow. thing. Not there's there's no the cow, possible way. The cow, that, absolutely. I'm sorry I was misleading about that, that some of those things, when I was asking why it was spiritual or legal, legal, you can write an amendment, right? Like, for instance, feral dogs. Feral dogs is legal. 
it's there's nothing there tied to spirituality. The cow, though, yes, the cow is a sacred animal. Can they do can they do depredation things on snakes? I don't know. I don't know. You know, in terms of deities and whatnots, I don't know the intricacies there. Yeah, and that's that's what I meant by the earlier question. That sometimes, like, you still have the potential for some folks, but when when Todd next door gets bit by the king cobra and dies, that that's what was meant to happen, right? I mean, there's some of those types of understandings in in, mm-hmm. in certain areas of India. Mm-hmm. India is really just like the perfect storm because so overpopulated. There's some very, very remote and incredibly poverty-stricken areas where the medical care, you know, is nil. Um, and then, oh yeah, tigers and king cobras, right? I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's the perfect storm. Tigers, leopards, wolves, bears, elephants, rhinos, big jacked-up guas. And snakes. Wow. I see no solution, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, it's not live in India is what it is. And and I would love to go over there and be a part of things, but I'm not uh like I am not scared of snakes, but a hundred percent on land, they're the thing that I give I give the most well, I, I'm not like not that's stupid to say like compared to a grizzly bear i give snakes a wide berth um and it's it's their speed that scares the crap out of me right like i've seen them strike and it's just i don't want to be in a place where i could jump away from a snake and trip over a tiger and fall down and get stepped on by an elephant all in one shot and nobody will let me be out there with a weapon to at least shoot the sky so that they'll tell stories about me mm-hmm. well todd craig it's amazing uh how time flies when you're having fun um yes yes we appreciate you one saying hey can i be on your roundup number one which meant you listened to our roundup yeah um which is uh what we're interested in um but yeah thank you man any final words let me ask this question before you give your final words um How'd you find Blood Origins? Uh, good question. I got into uh, listening to podcasts probably about a year ago. Um, some of our local guys, I'll give them a, a plug, uh, Buckstorm, they're, they have a local YouTube channel. And then they uh, they have a working class bow hunter podcast sticker, always, and they're always promoting that. And I thought, what the heck is that? So I'm going to have to listen. So I listened to those boys. Uh, good podcast anyway. If you want, Yeah, great podcast. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm in podcast, yours pops up as something to be interested in. I give it a listen, and lo and behold, uh, this Robbie guy with this wild accent uh, must be what, what hooked it in there, you know? And then, I'm sorry, Cody, uh, I didn't hear you first. Otherwise, you would have been the hero, but, you know. Yeah, it was exactly. That's accent. all right. I come in late as the hero. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, like you did on this good. podcast. Yeah. You came in late. <laughs> so that's uh that's that's my story about getting in finding you guys and now i have to become a supporter so i can uh yes sir absolutely good works so that way you guys can get those big billboards out there 
Absolutely. Um, We're going to do it. We're going to do it if I, if I die trying. All right. But Todd, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. I know Cody appreciates you. Um, and tell your friends, man. Tell your friends that you're on a, your first podcast and um, tell everyone to tune in next Monday. Yes, I will get this shared uh, quite a bit uh, so I can be like uh, famous or something. <laughs> All three of my friends listen to the other three that you have. That could be six people. I'm definitely coming to a total archery challenge up there as well. I think I'm going to travel to some total archery challenges next year. Excellent. Then, have you up here. And then uh, if you ever want to come to Colorado, hunt an over-the-counter tag, give me a collar. You betcha. Will do. Give you a collar? Give me a holler. I was going to say give me a call collar. I, I threw it all together. I understood because it's kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guy talk. I guess yeah. You know, the thing right we down. do in the Midwest is if we there's two words that we could use, we'll just slam them together real hard, and and people figure it out. Amazing! You just learn so much from Cody every single podcast. Uh, yeah. Cheers! Thank you, Todd. All Thanks, right, thank Todd. you very much. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.